uh, I'm going to do a post-Lent sermon, just by accident. Um, we're going to look at Acts 4. So if you have a, uh, have a Bible with you, or you can have a look at one, that would be good. Uh, we're going to have a look at Acts 4. It's always a privilege uh, to speak to you guys, uh, and I always love being able to, uh, to open up God's Word and look at it together. Uh, and um, today I want to look at, at, at Acts chapter 4 and have a bit of a think about mission. It's not a really, it's, a, it's more of a mission talk than an Acts chapter 4 talk. So if you're expecting me to go all the way through Acts 4, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Uh, and you're probably thinking, oh, he's going to talk about mission. He's going to blab on for 30, 40 minutes about evangelism. You know, I'm not interested in that. I'm just going to switch off Sunday afternoon, good time for a nap. Uh, then um, I'm not really going to talk about evangelism at all. Uh, and I know it's kind of, it's warmish, it's lovely afternoon, I would like to be sitting near or in water, so um, let me pray for our, in our hour of need, maybe half an hour of need. Lord, we thank you that we can look at your word together. We thank you that you uh, have graciously revealed yourself to us through it. We thank you uh, that you speak to us and that you continue to do so, haven't left us abandoned. We just pray, Lord, as we look at Acts 4, that uh, we would uh, together understand your mission for your church, uh, and that together we'd want to serve you. Amen. Just move this up a little bit. Right, as most of you know, I I work up at Massey, at the university. I, I work for Tertiary Students Christian Fellowship. Now, three of those words probably need to be explained, so I won't bother explaining what I do, but Erin and I have moved uh, from Australia here as missionaries uh, to work in the hostile environment of a university campus. So we moved here about two years ago, uh, and in God's grace, uh, so we came here to share the good news of Jesus with students on campus, and uh, in God's grace we're seeing some people come to know Jesus uh, and other, other students grow in Jesus as well, which is great. When people hear that I work um, with university students, they either think one of two things. It's either get a haircut and a job, you hippie, or they think, you know, and then you stop listening kind of about now, or they think, oh man, this guy must be really intelligent, and so you stop listening. As I like to tell people, I work at the university, not for the university. So I'm not very intelligent, it's okay. You can listen. Let's uh, open up Acts 4. And I'm going to try and read the whole thing. It's quite long, so it'd be good to look on if you can with someone else. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and all the Sadducees came up to Peter and and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the Bible and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers, elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander and the other men of the high priest's house, the high priest's family, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, 
then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach uh, at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and all the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what, you, what your power and will had decided beforehand should beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Well, what I want to do today, um, as I said, is we're going to have a think about how this passage helps us to think about mission and uh, how it applies to us. And what's happened so far in Acts is that Jesus has, has risen from the dead. He's told his followers to wait in Jerusalem and that they would be clothed from on high. So Jesus ascends to the Father's right hand and he sends the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, and uh, the apostles, they receive the Holy Spirit and so, and so do the other followers. And Peter gets up and makes this miraculous speech in Acts chapter 2. It's one of the, the greatest speeches, uh, I think, in all of the Bible. Chapter 3 has Peter and John going to the, prim- the, the temple to pray. They meet a crippled man there and uh, they heal him in Jesus' name. Uh, and that's where the controversy uh, that we've just been reading in chapter 4 kind of comes out of. The thing that we need to understand is what's, what is happening here. Acts is a sequel to Luke. Uh, and Luke, kind of, the book of Luke, ends up kind of unfinished. So Luke starts out in, in Gentile land. Sorry, it starts in Jerusalem, but then quickly heads out into Gentile land. And then slowly Jesus makes his journey back towards Jerusalem. And then it's from Jerusalem that the gospel goes out again and out to the ends of the world. And as you read Acts, you see it going further and further and spreading further and further. From Jerusalem, Jesus' lordship begins. The spirit is sent to those waiting there and from there the message springs out and it rings out. And when we look uh, at Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, we see them proclaiming the same message that Jesus was proclaiming. The message that they're proclaiming is that Jesus is king, is that he is already reigning, that he is king now. Look there in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are going to be called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. They are proclaiming that Jesus is the true Lord to the Jewish rulers. They are saying that he is the one true king. Now you might be thinking, you know, I thought you were going to be talking about mission, Ian. What, what are you kind of blabbing on about? Glad you asked. But So what I want us to see is that Acts 4 gives us a vision for mission. A vision for the way everything kind of in terms of mission happens. The third uh, gospel speech of Acts and in each of them uh, we, see how, we see what mission is and how it's going to proceed. So firstly we see that mission is rooted in something. It's rooted in the good news of Jesus. Have a look there in verse 2. Then in verses 8 to 12 it says the same thing. And then again in the prayer starting in verse 25 all about Jesus and his lordship. And what is the good news? Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is God's King. Jesus is Lord. However you want to phrase it, it's the same thing. And when you read through all of Acts, you see this gospel message standing out. Jesus is Lord. Time and time again, the apostles are persecuted for presenting another king other than Caesar. This king, Jesus. Now when we think about mission, I want us to, uh, we, we need to think of a, of a tree. The tree has a few parts, I'm going to focus on four of them today. 
uh, the roots, the trunk, the branches and the fruit. The roots, the trunk, the branches and the fruit. Sounds very scientific, doesn't it? I'm all over the sciences. You know, I'm sure there are more parts to a, to a tree, but they didn't really fit into my analogy, so I'm just going to forget them, pretend they don't exist. But uh, firstly, mission needs to be rooted in the good news of the gospel. It needs to be rooted in the good news that Jesus came, died, rose, ascended and reigned. It's what feeds the tree. Without the, that message, the tree withers and dies. So we see that all throughout church history. That when people forget that gospel message, forget that, that message that we have understood, within a generation those churches die. Either physically or spiritually, they go away. Because the roots shrivel, die and eventually the tree dies. And we see here in Acts 4 that the early church is rooted, it's grounded in the same gospel that we believe. They are persecuted for that same gospel. The early church is born and grown out of that gospel message. And we need to ask the question, are we grounded in that gospel message? Both individually and corporately, we always need to be asking that question. Are we grounded in that same gospel message that Jesus is Lord? It's an important question, a question that we need to keep asking. Are we trusting in that gospel message, in the truth that Jesus truly is Lord? If so, then continue to do so. If not, then come back, rediscover the joy and freedom it is to know Jesus and to love him uh, and to be serving him. Be rooted in that truth. Well, the second part of the tree, uh, of my analogy really, is is the trunk. I'm sure there's lots of other parts to a tree. But the trunk represents the church. Let me read from verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they, all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. There was no needy person among them, for from time to time those uh, who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Acts 4 is telling us of the birth of the first church. People gathering, praying, sharing, hearing from God's word and from the apostles. The first church springs up in Jerusalem around the apostles as they teach the good news of what Jesus has done. What was the thing they were focusing on? The resurrection of Jesus. What does a trunk do? I'm not, I'm not really you know, kind of any kind of scientist, but I, I, as I understand it, pass, it helps pass nutrients up from the roots, from the ground, up to the branches and to the leaves and the fruit. But it also provides strength to the whole tree as well and protection. See, that is what a local church is. That's what it does. See, mission is grounded in church. Without church, there is no mission. Mission cannot happen without church. When people ask what what I do, it's often quite hard to explain my role. I kind of work as a chaplain, uh, but I'm not really a chaplain. When you think of a chaplain, you think of a nice kind of older man who helps people. I don't really like people, so 
I, never, I rarely say that I'm a chaplain. But I just say that I read the Bible, I read the Bible with students and help them to know Jesus better, basically. But what my underlying my role is um, something that I always I firmly believe is that what I do is help people uh, serve churches for the rest of their lives, help students serve churches, and in doing so, serve Jesus for the rest of their lives. So I believe that church is where mission is at. You might not feel quite like that at the moment, sitting here on a muggy afternoon, Sunday afternoon, but this is where Jesus is at. This is how Jesus is spreading his reign throughout the whole world. You know, look around, it's impressive, isn't it? You know, if, if you were going to spread, spread a huge empire, is this how you would do it? Probably not. But this is how Jesus has chosen to do it. Often people say that churches should have a mission. Of course, they, they should in some sense. You know, without clarity and direction, you know, then we're kind of just wavering around everywhere. But often churches say, this is our mission. And then kind of the other church down the road says, no, but this is our mission, which is totally different in some way. Churches don't have a mission. They are a mission. Churches don't have a mission. They are a mission. See, it's Jesus that has a mission. He is bringing all things under himself. And how is he doing that? Through his church. Colossians 1.18, Jesus is the head of the body of the church. We are his body, spreading his reign. We don't often think about how important church is in, in the grand scheme of things. You might not have ever thought of it as important, but... Uh, it's how God has chosen to forward his kingdom. We see it beautifully displayed there. Have a look uh, at the, um, kind of the end of Acts 4 in verse 32. Uh, let me read. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them, from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone as he had need. Seems like the first socialist community. You know, people, one mind, one heart, one wallet. I don't think it's entirely true that it was kind of um, in our modern kind of socialist sense. Uh, but... Verse 34 seems that that wasn't an everyday thing either, that, that the sharing was, was all the time, but the, the selling of land was from time to time uh, when it was needed. But it's a beautiful picture there, isn't it? It is a picture of complete harmony uh, and perfect community. You know, it's a type of community that we all long for. It's a type of church that we would all love to be a part of. People often say, you know, I just want my church to be like that of Acts chapter 4. You know, who wouldn't want that? You know, you'd never hear anyone saying, no, I want, my church where, I want to go to a church where people, they don't really like each other. And that, you know, the sermons are pretty boring. It's, you're probably thinking that right now. But, um, you know, and, you know, people are shallow and they just stay for five minutes afterwards and then they go, no one really wants that. Everyone wants a church like verse 40, 32. But for that to happen, we need to understand what church is. 
We need to capture a vision for church and see that it, is, that it must be firstly grounded in the gospel, grounded in Jesus' mission. We need to see that Jesus' mission is about bringing in his reign. Then church, you know, it changes. It will be a great place, a community of one mind and heart, a community that is able to serve its people and serve the community that it is in because together they, they want to serve God and serve Jesus' mission. Well, uh, what else does a tree have? It has branches. Uh, and the branches are people. It's, it's us. It's the people that are fed by the local church you know, to go out into the world. Every Christian is a branch extending out from the trunk. If you're not attached uh, kind of in some way, then um, you know, you're, not, you're not a kind of a living, living branch, are you? Your firewood in some ways. But have a look there in verses 36 and 37. Now we have a mention of this guy, Joseph, also known as Barnabas. I love how uh, always in the New Testament they give, give people two names and often, you know, they're really encouraging names. Son of encouragement. You know, how good's that? My nickname at school was Big Nose. You know? My friends were really encouraging. Was, yeah. In Australia, that means something else. But my favourite name uh, in, uh, in the Bible is in Acts 1, when they have to appoint a new apostle. Uh, so Judas has just killed himself and they go through this process of finding someone who's been with them from the very start and seen everything. And uh, these two guys get called forward, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. You know, imagine calling your church... Saint Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. You, know, you, could, you wouldn't, your sign out the front would be massive. You know, I think the the uh, other apostles were pretty happy when uh, Matthias was picked by God. You just kind of yes, don't have to say all those names all the time. But Luke drops in Barnabas, son of encouragement. They, they drop in his name because he becomes important uh, later on in the story. But we see here one man serving Jesus' mission and what is he doing? He's serving uh, the local church there, the local assembly. There are lots of people doing that and he gets a mention because he becomes important later on uh, in the story and Luke just wants to highlight that. But you see it is through the action of individuals that Jesus' reign is extended. It's not some faithless institution called the church but it's through people, through individuals, through us. You as God's branches extend out from the local church to do the work of the church. What is that work? Well, it's the spreading of Jesus' kingdom. Notice I didn't say it's doing work in church or doing work for church. I didn't say it's it's just evangelism. It will include those things, but it's the work of church. Doing Jesus' work. When I was growing up, I always prayed, Lord, please don't uh, ever call me to be a missionary. I don't think I was even a Christian at the time. That's how kind of serious I was about this. To me, you know, missionaries were weird. It was the 80s, socks and sandals were in. You know, you know, missionaries were always odd people for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe I am as well. It just goes with the territory. But often, often they're the best people to reach other cultures. Uh, 
But when you pray, please, Lord, don't let me do that. That is the thing God always makes you do. The amount of people that I've heard say, Lord, don't, I, I prayed, Lord, don't send me to Palmerston North. And I've ended up in Palmy. You know, that, at least two people have said that to me. No, but it's always the way, isn't it? You, you pray, Lord, don't let that happen to me. Or don't send me there and you end up going there for some reason. Now when I say that mission happens through local church, I don't mean that we go invest all of our free time in church volunteering for things. What I mean is that it's through church that we're supported and fed and built up to do mission. For some of us that will mean volunteering for things at church so that it can happen better. For others of us it might say saying no to to some things at church so that we can serve in different ways. As I said, we are all called as God's missionaries. But the great news is that it looks different for each one of us. And I think that's the beauty of the gospel, that it's complex as we work it out in our own lives, working out God's, uh, the, the gifts and the passions that God has given us and how we can serve him best with those. Now, for some of us, it might mean packing up and heading overseas. For some of us, it might mean packing up and heading across the country or you know, across, across town. For most of us, it just means staying where we are and continuing to serve him where we are. So we've seen that mission needs to be rooted in the gospel. We see that it happens through church, the trunk, and it's spread out by individuals, the branches, by people like us. Now, come to our last point. You know, ignore the fact that trees have leaves in any way. They're not important. And we're going to think about the fruit now, fruit uh, is often used, not always, but often used in the New Testament as a way to talk about people becoming Christians, those on the outside of the community coming into the community, people bringing their lives under Jesus' lordship. And that's what mission really is about, people bringing their lives under Jesus, spreading God's kingdom one person at a time. And we see in Acts that with the apostles preaching so boldly, And in light of persecution, the church grew rapidly. And what do we see in verse 4? How many people? 5,000 men. So it's likely to be a lot more than that. Imagine seeing that much kind of growth. The church, you know, whoever's maintaining the church role would have an absolute nightmare of what to do. But, you know, the huge growth. But as you read Acts, we do see great, great growth in spots. But we also see persecution, we see hard work, and everywhere we see one or two people coming to know Jesus. And from there, the gospel continues to go out. See, what does it look like for us, both individually and corporately, to live out Jesus' mission? How is it that Jesus might be Lord here in Palmy? You might have some of your own ideas. I'm, I'm sure they'd be better than mine. But I just want to share a few things that might be helpful. Firstly, I want to say let's stay rooted in the gospel. The gospel of grace. Preach it to each other. Preach it to yourself every day. There's no point in telling people about Jesus' lordship and, and trying to live uh, in a way that uh, reflects that without actually having it at our hearts. 
remind us and remind each other of that. Second, we need to pray. Pray, pray, pray. If we believe in God's sovereignty and we believe that is his work, then we will need to rely on him. When we don't pray, we say that, you know what, Lord, this is my work and you know, I want to do this. I want to bring in my kingdom. Pray because it's, it's God's doing the work. God doing the work through us. Thirdly, I want us to think of one thing that we could do and start small. Often we think, man, this is such a huge task. It's so big. I'm, I don't have you know, many skills. I'm not very good at evangelism. I don't have many friends. I and I find it hard to talk to them about the gospel. You know, it sounds, sounds like such a huge task. There's so many people in the world that don't know Jesus. How, how can I possibly do anything? Well, you're right. It is a big task. And that's why Jesus is in charge and not you. He asked me, but I said I was too busy. Uh, but Jesus is the one who's doing the spreading of, the word, of, of, of his rule. He just asked us to, to be a part of it in some way. The other thing we might think is that the things that we are doing aren't really a part of what Jesus would be interested in aren't really a part of his reign. I purposely haven't said uh, what it looks like to spread Jesus' reign on earth. And I think, of course, it, in, it involves sharing the gospel. But I think it's much bigger than that as well. Really, you could say that when God's will is done on earth, as in heaven, that is when Jesus' reign is extended. When God's will is done on earth, as it is in heaven... I quite enjoy reading some of the reformers, what they had to say and kind of for their time. And something that's really stood out to me is something that Martin Luther said, and it's this. When a father washes nappies and performs some other mean task for his child, and someone ridicules him as an effeminate fool, he should remember that God, with all his angels and creatures, is smiling. All the mums in the room are thinking, Dad, wash a nappy. You're right. Disposables, you know. You know, I'd like it to at least see a dad change a nappy. That would be good. But Luther says this because he sees in the medial tasks of life that God is glorified. His will is done on earth and Jesus' reign is furthered because a father is loving his kids. The world thinks very lowly of medial tasks like washing nappies, wiping little bums. Yeah, it wants us to do more important things than that. And if you don't do important things, then you're not important. But the gospel flips that totally on its head. It says the most important thing that we can do is serve. Because when we serve, we become like our king. We become like the true king of this whole world. So my take-home application for the guys at least, is to wash nappies. Except me, of course. Uh, but as I said, think of one thing and let, let's start small. What is it that you love to do? What are the passions that God has given you? And in what way do you think you could serve God with it? Often I, I hear of other people kind of serving God in different ways and I think, man, I would love to be able to do that. How come God hasn't put me into that position or given me those gifts? And then I totally neglect the things that are in front of me. I think they're just too complex or too hard 
but often I'm just too lazy. You know, what are your passions? What are your opportunities? They don't have to be big things. You know, for some of us, it, it might just be praying for a neighbour or a work colleague or a friend, praying for them and asking them to, to read part of the Bible with you. Sounds like a, that could be a big step, you know, but it, it's not that, not that hard and not that crazy. You know, Easter is coming. Easter's been coming since Christmas Day. I've seen the shops with all the Easter eggs out. Uh, but it might be praying for, for some of your family that, that know, don't know Jesus and, asking for an, and kind of asking for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus uh, over Easter. It might be simpler than that. It might be just committing to, if you've got kids, just reading, your, reading their Bible with them and praying with them uh, every day for a month, helping them kind of uh, see who God is through, through his word. You know, it doesn't sound like much, but in a huge way, it impacts lives. And I think our city has great opportunities as well. You know, Palmy has a huge amount of international students. They're slowly going to be coming back in the next few weeks. Uh, but there are you know, great opportunities just to have students into your home. And if you're interested in that, come, come and talk to me. Last year we uh, have a family that every Tuesday night they just invite international students to come in, into their home and they uh, saw two um, Chinese girls become Christians just, just from that. They just had about five or six people every week and these two girls just kept coming back and two of them became Christians which is because they shared the gospel with them uh, kind of every week, just telling them about Jesus. Kind of just simple things where just sharing a meal and just sharing what you know about God and his word. There are loads of things and I'm sure you can be much more creative than I can. I, uh, her, I met a lady, I was preaching in Dannyburg a couple of months ago, I met a lady there who was an art teacher uh, and she thought, you know, we, she, the church had sent some missionaries over to Tanzania and she thought, you know what, I could never do that but I want to support them somehow and so she thought, you know what I'll do, I'll, I'll start a small art class at church and uh, maybe we can raise some money that way. So started this art class and they, um, through selling the, the class's artworks, they, they raise money and, and use that money for mission in Tanzania. But they've become so popular that lots of people in the community want to come to these little art classes uh, that now they have gospel opportunities where they can share the gospel with people just out in the community who want to come and do that. And she's just, she just a, a kind of, just an ordinary kind of person, just thought, this is something that I want to do. Uh, and through that, you know, they've, had, they've seen lots of people come to know Jesus. Uh, in Australia, there's a, a guy called John Dixon who is an excellent theologian and a pastor and a historian. Some of you might have heard of him. But he grew up in quite a, a, um, quite a, a deeply non-religious family. His dad died when he was quite young uh, in, a pl- in a plane crash. But at high school, uh, he went along to the RE classes. I think he had to. And um, there was just a, a local lady teaching the class. Nobody special. Uh, and... After class, she just would invite a group of the boys uh, back to her, her place to have some burgers, to have some food, and um, just chat about Jesus. And they just did that every week. And over time, pretty much every one of those groups uh, of, of boys have become Christians. And I think all of them 
kind of have, have stuck together. I think all of them uh, in ministry kind of as missionaries or kind of doing different things. Uh, just because this one lady, kind of nobody special, just invited some boys back to her place uh, to have burgers. See, in one sense, mission isn't anything spectacular. It's just bringing our lives under Jesus and inviting other people to do the same. It's just saying that whatever I do, I want to, I want to do it to be serving Jesus and his kingdom. Nothing great, nothing really amazing. It's just, uh, just life, but a life lived for God's glory. But on the other hand, it is spectacular. It's amazing that God would so use our normal kind of mundane lives to bring about his kingdom and for us to live for his glory doing that. It's amazing that the king of the whole world is spreading his reign through us. But if it was any other way, it would be us that would be glorified and not Jesus. to To God be glorified, not us. Well, I hope that you've been able to catch that kind of vision of what, what I think mission is, is from Acts 4. You know, really, simply, it's a life lived to God's glory. A life that puts Jesus first and seeks to have him rule over all of it. Let me pray for, all of, for us all. Lord, we thank you that your gospel has rung out to the ends of the earth, including to New Zealand. We thank you that we can live for your glory, but we know that your reign continues to grow and grow through us. Lord, help us to make it not about us, but about you. Show us how we can serve you in our lives. Show us how we can reach out to those around us. Lord, we pray that we would do this for your glory. We pray that you would give us hearts that love others and that love you. Lord, we pray this in your glorious Son's name, Jesus our Lord. Amen.